Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Eric Jensen. Eric is the co-owner and chief strategy officer of Predictive ROI, a seven-figure marketing agency that helps businesses use thought leadership to build authority that yields new business opportunities. He and his team work with companies with gross revenues ranging from a million to 30 million a year and leverage the digital landscape to increase business online by 200 to 500% within a year. As a serial business owner since he was 14, with a strong background in digital and public relations marketing, Eric developed the podcasting strategy that made the agency over $2 million, which was featured in the book, Profitable Podcasting. I've known Eric for a number of years, as well as his business partner, Stephen, and truly believe they've created an excellent company that can really help entrepreneurs. You won't meet nicer guys out there either. Today, Eric and I are going to be chatting about how business leaders should approach thought leadership marketing and how to monetize it. We'll learn what works from Eric's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Eric, welcome. I am super happy to be here, Stacy. Thank you. And hopefully we have a chance to really give your audience some cool nuggets that they can walk away with and implement right away. I have no doubt about that. I have known you now, as I said, for you know several years, many years, going back because we're part of the same business networking group for agency owners. And you know what you and Stephen have built with podcasting and creating something that leaders within organizations truly can benefit from is phenomenal. I mean, it is something that is certainly setting the bar above the industry norm. So you know, thank you for all the time and effort y'all have put into that. You've come up with something really good. Wow. Sure. Appreciate that. And it has been a lot of trial and error, like, like any other business and, and any other methods, but we've, we've learned a lot of really cool things along the way. And, you know, as many things as we've seen work, we've probably seen two things fail. So, so take it for what it's worth, right? <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because, you know, Obviously, I have a podcast. I'm sitting here, Thought Leadership. That's part of, you know, all things podcasting. And we're going to talk on monetization, which is also something, for some strange reason, I have a lot of interest in as well. So (laughs) I am going to enjoy learning today. But to start off, can you share how did you get started in this? What got you into this world you're into now? Uh, you bet. It was uh, it was a little bit of a long and convoluted path. So started pursuing business when I was relatively young. My brother and I created several small kind of ways to make money. Even when we were you know seven and eight years old, we would haul wood and water at campgrounds for people for like five bucks, and we thought that was a great way to make money. And then later on, we ended up teaching at a lot of different events around the country and presenting. And then we eventually transitioned into, of all things, juggling. So I was actually a professional juggler for almost 16 years, which seems a little bit wild, but paid my way through college, everything along those lines, and got to, got to travel all over the place. So that was cool. And then when I was in college is where I met Stephen, and he and I are now business partners and Stephen and I got to work on a couple of different projects, one for a nonprofit and one when I was part of a startup competition at Duke University. And I was so impressed with who Stephen was mm-hmm. and, and how he approached the world. I mean, you know, Stephen, it's, he, that's just who he is, right? It's hard to describe Stephen. He's uh, like one of the most genuine, loving, giving people you'll meet. 
Right, exactly. And so, you know, obviously that shines through and he really enjoyed the time with me as well. When it came time to start predictive and everything along those lines, he'd been doing it for a little bit, but he gave me a call as soon as he was ready to start to expand. He's like, Hey, uh, how would you feel about joining uh, predictive with me? And if anybody else had asked, I would have said no, because I was having a good time and having fun. I'm running my own businesses and things like that, but uh, I'm glad that I did. And that's been, gosh, closing on 12 years now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you are literally the man who can juggle multiple balls because of your past history. <laughs> I, I can indeed. Yeah. So like, you know, the, the background is supposed to tell stories about everybody, things along those lines. Those are some juggling balls right over there. So, yep. <laughs> there you go. That's uh-huh. awesome. So with thought leadership marketing. Yes. What is it? Can you explain to our listeners, like, what does that actually mean? Because they're like, am I a fat leader? What does it mean? Can I market myself? Yeah. Okay. So there are actually 10 truths of authority positioning and thought leadership. I'm not going to go through all 10 because that's going to be a boring list. If you want that, we got a free book. You can just get it on the website and you can read them all yourself. But there's a couple of things that are really typical about being a thought leader. And that is one they're very specific in who they help and what problem they solve. So they have a niche, okay? And in fact, they have such a niche that they're probably boring to most people, all right? Most people would consume their content and be like, oh, why would I read this, right? Because it's not designed for everybody. It's not generic. It's not meant to attract everybody. It's meant to be very, very useful, or you know, the way that we typically describe it is it's, it's an inch wide and a mile deep for a very specific group of people. And a good litmus test to see whether or not that is the case for you. So if somebody goes, oh, am I a thought leader? Am I not? Is take your content. Could you take your content, remove your name from it? And, and if you had to swap out like the name of a process or something along those lines, but like tiny, tiny tweaks. Could you take your content and put it on one of your competitors or uh, any other, any other website kind of in your industry? And would anybody notice? And if the answer is no, it would be at home on those places. Then it's probably not authority content. Okay. So, and then the other thing that's, that's really important about authorities is that they're willing to share in a public fashion. Okay. So there's a great term. I learned this from another business owner. His name is Nick Natarella and it's called smiling in the dark. It doesn't matter how much you smile in the dark. No one can see you smiling. Right. So it doesn't matter how good you are at what it is that you do, unless you're able and willing to share that out with the world, no one will ever know. Right. So those are some really key components that are very easy for someone to be able to quickly check. Am I someone that's, that's building an authority position? Am I someone who's positioning themselves as a thought leader? Because that's where most of the time we see people struggling, right? Either they, they aren't narrow, they're generic, or they don't share, right? An example of that would be like when they get out their, their monthly newsletter twice a year, right? That's a, that's a yearly, yes, a bi-annual newsletter. Right, exactly. <laughs> We're going to do this every month. And then once every six months, it rolls out, right? So... <laughs> 
It's hard for a lot of people. You know, we, we do a lot of content marketing and thought leadership at Hollywood Branded, and we constantly get, you know, how can you possibly publish five blogs in a week? How do you possibly make sure you do at least a podcast every week? I used to do too, you know, so that is something that a lot of people look at and do, they just think of how much time it is to do it. What are your workarounds on making it less time suck wise? Yeah. So the reality is content takes time. You just have to accept that to a certain extent, but there are a lot of methods that you can put in place to make it easier. So let's use podcasting as an example, because obviously I know that that's something that's going to be super interesting for you. And that's going to be probably really interesting to a lot of different listeners. So let's just imagine podcast. Okay. There are a few things that you can do in order to make sure that content creation off of this particular episode is much easier. Okay. I'll give you some examples. And some of this is, is taking a little bit of time on planning. Okay. So if you know what it is that we're going to be talking about and everything along those lines, which you do, right? I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about like, oh, okay, these are the things that we probably want to cover. This is what's going to be useful for, for listeners. Fantastic. So great. What happens if you were to take a couple of minutes and go find like one interesting stat, one interesting quote, one interesting controversial statement, right? And just write them down in front of you. Because when we speak, we rarely speak in a way that is quotable, right? We can hope that it comes off that way, but usually it ends up kind of being this meandering thing that finally gets to the punchline. Okay. If you've got some of those things in place beforehand, well, now you've already defined a bunch of different social media posts, a bunch of different video and audio snippets, and a bunch of different callouts that you can put in your blog posts. You've already written them. You can literally send them to your team and say, look for these. And they can, they can look them up in the transcript. They can, they can find the stuff in two seconds and find the timestamps instead of having to listen to the whole thing and go, hmm, what was the best golden nugget there, right? Now they can still do those things, but you've ensured that they're guaranteed to get at least a few, right? Especially if you have a team editing who might be someone who's a freelancer or someone who might be very young on your team where their ears aren't quite as adept into hearing the gems that you're dropping. Right. Or you go, oh, that was such a good statement. If it didn't take five minutes to get to the point, right? If it didn't need all the backstory, if it didn't need all the context. So again, just taking a couple of minutes beforehand to do that stuff. Think about all the hours that it saves your team, whether that is freelancer or in-house, on finding those things and think about all the time it saves you from a reviewing standpoint to go, is this content good to put out to the world? Is this appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. By taking a little bit of planning at the front end, you've empowered everybody downstream to act on it more quickly and more efficiently. Awesome, okay? So a few minutes up front saves hours on the back end. Another really good, simple thing that you can do. At the end of this interview, what would it look like if you took 30 seconds, just 30 seconds to talk to the editor and the writer and go, okay, here are the things that we really want to focus within this episode. Here's the highlights. Here's kind of what I want this to be focused around. And these were the nuggets that I believe came out of this or the most impactful piece. And you've taken all the guesswork. Mm -hmm. 
for your writers, for your editors, for everything out of the equation. Again, that saves so much time on a creation and a reviewing. And, you know, if you're not doing that, right, the rewriting of something that was inappropriate or not really hitting the, the targets that you wanted to. And then imagine if you took that same 30 seconds, instead of just talking to the writer, what if you did it almost as like a preview for the episode, right? You're like, oh my gosh, listeners, these are the things you should be listening for in this episode. They're amazing, right? We covered this, we covered this, we covered this. Like if you're not listening to these things and not picking up on these things, here's how it's going to impact your business. You should listen to this episode. Okay. Now, not only have you taken care of your stuff for your writers and your editors, right? And you've given all the highlights for all your social media posts and emails and everything along those lines, but now you've actually created an asset that can be just taken as a whole. And now it can go out and it can be used for promoting the episode and the podcast to your business. So you've created an asset in there. And then imagine if you had your guest do the same thing. Like, okay, guest, we know that you're going to want to be sharing this with your audience because this is a chance for you to shine. What I want you to do, I'm going to go first. I'm going to do like 30 seconds about what I thought was amazing about this episode for my audience. Then what I want you to do, just take like 10, 15, maybe 30 seconds and just tell your audience in your own words why this was a fun interview, what they should take out of it. And by the way, if you screw up, it's fine, right? We can do it a couple of times. It doesn't matter. So now you've got a couple of seconds of them doing that. And now you've got a great asset to be able to share with them. You've got a great asset to be able to put out uh, again on your own social media, all those other sorts of things. And grand total for all of that stuff that we talked about, you know, you've got maybe five to 10 minutes worth of stuff that you've done. And from an output perspective on the content, you've increased your quality, you've increased your focus, you've increased the number of assets you have, you've reduced the number of revisions, you've reduced the amount of time spent going and finding things, and you've given your team a whole lot more confidence mm -hmm. about what it is that they're doing, how they're doing it, and what the point of all of it is. That's huge for 10 minutes worth of work. Like what other thing do we do in our business and our daily lives where 10 minutes can have that sort of outsized impact mm -hmm. on so many different assets and people. And, and you've literally just built in a model where you can potentially get testimonials for yourself as a podcast host, because it's very likely that the person while they're sitting here on your screen is going to say something warm and lovely and fuzzy about you and the experience they just had. If you are a half-assed decent host, right? Like Stacy Jones is amazing. If you're not on her podcast, you're crazy. That is a great sound bit, right? Exactly. Right. So we need to just be thinking about how it is that we create this cornerstone content. Cause that's what a podcast episode is. It's cornerstone content. And I know that's language that it's a little bit inside baseball for here predictive, but cornerstone content is something that is meaty. Podcast is meaty, right? A book is meaty. Uh, primary research is meaty. A video series is meaty. There's all sorts of different things that you can do that are meaty. It's gotta be regular, right? And so your podcast, it's regular. It happens every week, okay? And then it can't be a one trick pony. And so a one trick pony means something that lives only one place or only serves one purpose. Probably the easiest thing that people can kind of relate with 
is imagine if you built your entire business on Facebook, your audience was there, you post all your videos there, you put all your content there. And you're like, this is, this is where I drive my business. And then Facebook goes, no, and closes you down. Mm -hmm. You had a one trick pony, right? Your podcast, on the other hand, it lives hundreds of places. And the content that's created from the podcast also lives dozens of places. Mm -hmm. All right. So it doesn't matter if one particular platform decides, hmm, no, it's, it's all across the board, right? It's going to be useful for you as a platform building tool, no matter what. And so with that, so, you know, your podcast is everywhere, everywhere that it can be, right? You're putting it up on your podcast platform. You are syndicating it out to other platforms all over the place. If you have it dialed in correctly, where else or how else should podcasters approach finding homes for their podcasts? What are like some of the tricks there? Great questions. I'm going to back it up just a little bit and say, what, what should you be doing for a home for Cornerstone content? Only because there are some differences, right? So Cornerstone content lives on a spectrum of low context to high context. Okay. Mm -hmm. So high context, the highest context you can have is video what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. It gives you the most options to be able to transform it. And those, those options to transform take very little energy and effort to transform them. You can take a video and you can strip out the audio. Now you have a podcast. You can take the podcast, get it transcribed. Now you have, now you have the written content for emails and blogs and things like that. Once you have the, the long form written content, you can take that and you can turn that into shorter form like tweets and social media posts and things along those lines. So depending on where you are on the spectrum, your options as far as where you can disseminate all of your content are different, mm -hmm. right? So if you start at writing, you could take it up the chain. It just takes a whole lot more effort and work for each one of those, those uh, positionings. So in your particular case, right? You can be on all sorts of platforms that support video. Fantastic. You can have video on your website. Fantastic. And you can make sure that, you know, you, you take advantage of all of the searchability of all of those engines as well. Great. Now, when it comes to the audio piece, just the podcast, there are, there's obviously the hosting that you put it on. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. The typical one we use is Libsyn. But Libsyn basically it it holds the stuff. It's a little bit like Vimeo. It holds Vimeo holds the video. Libsyn holds the audio. And then what you do is you syndicate it out to all the different platforms that you want to be on. Now there are some major ones that you need to be syndicated on, right? You need to be on iTunes. You need to be on Google. You need to be on Spotify. You need to be on Stitcher, right? Like there's some things that you just need to be on. Um, and then there's a there's hundreds of these smaller players. And what they generally do is they generally go and they scrape. Um, the larger platforms to be able to then populate their own platforms, okay? Because they know otherwise they wouldn't have any, any content on their platforms. But you can also take this, this video and this podcast and these transcripts, and especially if you're looking at it from a PR perspective, right? Now you've got a ton of assets to be able to then provide for someone else who may want to take these snippets, who may want to take pieces of this information and you've got any type of context that they want, which makes it so much more powerful for you to approach them and say, hey, 
would you be interested in syndicating this? Would you be interested in if I, you know, were to do a series on X, right? You're going to be doing that work anyway. Finding partners to be able to help distribute that is, is just gravy. And so with that, so now you have your podcast everywhere and people are just coming, right? They're just coming left and right. You're getting hundreds and thousands and 10,000s and millions. Okay, that might be a little excessive, <laughs> right? But how can you best amplify your podcast, right? And you've just talked about how you can syndicate it and get into other places and position yeah. it. But what are some of the sneaky tricks that you guys use to um, try to get more people to tune in besides all that lovely social content that you're clipping from here and pushing out? Yeah. So part of it is um, being strategic about who it is that you have on your podcast. Um, so you want to make sure that the, the folks that you're having on the podcast are able and willing to share the content with their own audiences, okay? You also wanna be strategic about the, the sorts of folks you have on from um, the audience ecosystem perspective. Uh, so if anybody has read uh, Pam Slim, she's brilliant. And she talks about this audience ecosystem um, concept, which is your audience is always at the center. And then around that audience, there are a myriad of relationships. Mm -hmm. Each one of those relationships is another way to be able to address that core audience. Because if you and all those relationships share that core audience, all the information that you're going to be doing is going to be useful for that core audience. Again, that, that inch wide, mile deep, right? Um, we're not going to try to go off on some random path because we're like, this person has 100,000 people on their email list. And it's like, awesome, but their audience has nothing to do with anything that you, you do. And so amplification, you need to be careful with it. It's not about numbers. It's about numbers of the right people. Okay. That is true for any marketing effort whatsoever. If you get a hundred thousand people to your website, searching for purple feather boas, it does you no good. If you're not selling purple feather boas. Oh boy, all of us should start selling purple feather boas. All of us should start selling cake, purple right? feather boas, right? <laughs> there's, there's easily 100,000 people out there that want to buy Perfect. It, right? so, so all I'm saying is just be careful about what that is because there are vanity numbers across all different marketing platforms, okay? And understanding the difference between vanity numbers and effective numbers is really, really important in the way that you can kind of tell the difference on those is whether or not you are converting someone from an unaddressable audience to an addressable audience. So unaddressable audience is someone who knows you exist, but you don't know they exist. Podcast listeners are an example of that, mm -hmm. right? They can come in and tune into this episode whenever they want. You can't then go, hey, Tony, good to talk to, good to see that you, you watch this or listen to this episode. Hey, I, I got this really cool thing that I want to share with you because you don't know Tony exists, right? He's just he's just a number within within your metrics. So what you do is within any of these these platforms, it is making sure that you have appropriate calls to action. Again, those appropriate calls to action are much easier if you know who you're talking to and what pain points you're solving for them. Okay, what business problems you're solving for them, and I think that's a distinction that's really important. Your calls to action need to address a business problem, not a tactical problem. 
So really clear example of that is a website. A website is a tactical solution to a business problem. What is the problem and why is a website the appropriate solution for it, right? Because this problem could have multiple different potential solutions that we think this is the best tactical solution because it, it covers this, 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 and this, right? So your calls to action need to be addressing that core business problem that your audience is dealing with. And again, your niche down, it gets a whole lot easier because otherwise your calls to action are going to be generic. It'll be things like, hey, go over here and download this ebook, which is going to help you make more money. Magically doing something, selling purple boas. <laughs> right, exactly. Like how on earth? Right? And, and you know, when, when you send someone down that generic path, you're not really a thought leader. You're not leveraging all of this content work that you're doing. And that's why people get frustrated with these content plays is they're throwing spaghetti at the wall and they're hoping something is going to stick because they've been told that they need to create all of this stuff. But it's not about just creating stuff. It's about creating the right things for the right people, mm -hmm. nothing else. And if that sounds intimidating, fair. It, it can be a little bit intimidating at first because you're being asked to dig deep. You're being asked do really careful thinking about the problems you solve and the people you serve in a way that is unique to you, right? And a lot of businesses are not used to doing that. A lot of businesses are used to taking their content and sending it off to a junior person or a freelancer or whatever it happens to be and going like, just make it happen. I don't want to think about it, mm -hmm. right? But if you go back to the early part of the conversation where if you're thoughtful in the creation of that cornerstone content, all the rest of the pieces will fall into place. So as far as like accelerating uh, all these things, the way you're going to accelerate it is a niche down and be important and valuable to that audience. Which is okay to be a very small selective audience. You do not need to be competing with your podcast against the biggest podcasts and iHeart that you ever heard of that have a celebrity voice. It has nothing to do with it. It's not the same thing, not the same ballpark, totally different approach. People are not going there to learn the same things as they're becoming to learn from you. Right. It's, and it's comparing apples to oranges, yeah. right? So someone that's going to an entertainment podcast that entertainment podcast has to have a large audience because guess how they're making their money? Mm -hmm. Sponsorships and selling like little trash keys. If you're running a business, your cornerstone content is there to create well-prepared prospects who understand who you are and the problems that you solve. And you've educated them up to kind of an on par level of terminology language, philosophy, process, mm -hmm. all those things. And so that way, when they get to you finally, when, they, when they're ready to make that decision, they go, you're exactly who I expected you to be. Yeah. Business behind it is what's actually bringing in the revenue. So you don't need a massive audience. Honestly, for most, most businesses, if they had an audience of a couple thousand that are coming to their podcasts and their videos and their blogs, if it's the right audience, they're running a very nice little business, yeah. right? 
And I can tell you this right now for all of our listeners. So, you know, our podcast is not listened by millions. There's not thousands. There's episodes that add up to that, but the first week is not going to hit 2000 listeners. Just doesn't happen. Over time, it adds and it adds and it adds. But I am able to use this in so many great ways where it has established me as a better thought leader. It has caused companies when they are people, not companies, people from companies when they call our agency to not need to be part of a sales process in the same way. They literally are like, we're not looking anywhere else. We don't know if this is 100% the strategy we want to do necessarily. But if we do do it, we want to do it with you. And that's a very different position to be in versus out there where you are constantly trying to sell yourself on every call. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you could create something through your blogs or your podcasts or your thought leadership that people call you, people email you, they ask your opinion, they consider you knowledgeable, even if you might have imposter syndrome on occasion, where you're like, I don't have a flying frig about how to answer this one, but I'm going to do my best, right? Like, people genuinely like listening to podcasts, reading content, and seeing that someone is more knowledgeable than themselves, and they will come to you and flock to you. And For your guests, like who are on our show, I constantly get feedback that people are landing clients because someone heard them on my podcast and they call me to thank me for opening that door for them and having that happen. And it doesn't mean that they need to have 10 clients that comes from my podcast. If they have one, can you imagine guesting on someone else's podcast that just automatically results in the fact that you get a client? I mean, this is a mutually beneficial partnership that you can extend out into the world with other thought leaders when you have a podcast. And is there something that is really special that you can do? And how much more fun than cold call, right? How much. So, and, and what you talked about is the difference between being someone who is kind of in that red ocean, mm-hmm. right? You're surrounded by kind of the feeding frenzy that's going on and being out in the blue ocean and being that thought leader, being seen as the one resource that they trust. You're not part of the consideration set. You are the consideration set. I can literally say that we are the agency where our competitors come to learn. And I know this because their names are on our blog list. I know this <laughs> because they get our newsletter and our podcast and they're signed up on our RSS feeds and they, and they, and they. So yeah, I, like, might, I might even add cool that. Things. I might even add that as one of my litmus tests is, are your competitors coming to you to learn? If yeah. so, then that's a good litmus test on if you're a thought leader, right? It makes a big difference. But again, I get it, right? We're talking about kind of this end result. This is... This is painting the picture ahead for people, which is super, super important. But for anybody that's starting down this path, it sounds overwhelming. And they're like, oh, how do I get started? And so the first thing I would say is, one, for anybody that's starting on the journey, give yourself some grace. This is hard. This does not happen overnight. Positioning, niching down, developing a position of thought leadership. This is not something that takes weeks. This is something that takes years. Question is, do you want to start that journey today and in a few years reap the benefits? Or do you want to wait a few years and still be doing the same feast and famine biz dev 
that you're currently doing with cold calls and things like that. Because if you don't change something, that's what your future holds. And so taking some of the baby steps now is really, really important. Define that niche, define that business problem that you solve, and then choose a way to do cornerstone content. We do lots of different cornerstone content now, right? Because that's, that's one of the things that we do. We do inbound podcasts. We do outbound podcasts. We do video series. We do weekly Q and A's. We do monthly teaching dues. We do all sorts of stuff on a regular cadence that is meaty and we get it transformed all the time and things along those lines. We do primary research. We write books, you know, we do all of those things. And that's why I can talk about them, right? It's we eat our own dog food, right? If, we, if we're going to teach someone how to do these things, we do them so that we can go and figure out the path forward and, and how to do it. Um, but just start with one. We started with a podcast. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. And, and like you, we used to do even more. We used to do five podcasts a week. It was crazy when y'all were doing that. That was insane. Yeah. It, it was God. crazy, but it and, God, there were so many, I mean, with my doing one to two, you know, we were at over 300 podcasts You guys were in the thousands of podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Onward nation. Uh, I don't even remember the exact number that we, we wrapped it on, but it was, it was over 1100. Yeah. Um, and, and now we have the sell with authority podcast because we, we wanted to, we were like, okay, we've done what we need to do with onward nation. And now we're going to pursue this, this other podcast, but yeah, I mean, we, again, we've done, we've done that work. We put in the time to learn that process so we can, we can actually help people do it. Right. Um, but, but again, going back to that very beginning piece, you know, we had, we had like three weeks, Stephen came rolling back in and was like, we're doing a podcast. And everyone's like, why, <laughs> what, what, how, <laughs> right. We didn't even know how to do anything. We're like, don't know, let's figure it out. And so we did it. And was it, was it great? No. Right. Did we learn lots of things along the way? Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, <laughs> did, did uh, Stephen love his first episodes? I don't think he has ever listened to his first episodes. Ever it's again. hard listening to your episodes sometimes, especially when you're just starting out. Right. You don't have um, to. Someone else can. That, that's what. That's right. That's what editors <laughs> are for, right? Um, and and so it's okay if it's not going to be perfect. But but again, you've you've got to start a journey somewhere. And so one of the one quote that I really I do like is embarrassment is the is the cost of mastery. Um, and so just know that when you start down any of these things, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be, you know, the same thing as someone who's five years further down this path than you are, Mm -hmm. but the same thing that's holding, you know, someone back from doing this is the same thing that's holding back 95% of other businesses too. So if you can overcome that hurdle, then you're already stepping into more rarefied air and that's a great place to be. And it's a very unique place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one question, just because I had cheated up at the beginning, how can you approach monetization for your podcast? And is the answer ultimately that you are going to get sales if you do it right for your business? That is, 
The answer in many instances, there are multiple ways to be able to monetize. The first one is we call it the Trojan horse. And that is the folks that you actually have on as guests are the people that you want to build relationships with. Now, those could be potential clients. They could be potential strategic partners. They could be distribution partners. They could be, you know, any of those sorts of things. But these are the relationships you've decided you want to build. And what happens is the podcast acts as a great way to be able to open the door and have a meaningful conversation. Right. So like we're learning things about each other, even though we've known each other for years, we're learning more about each other in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right. So it works. We're getting comfortable together. And so you're breaking down barriers that would otherwise exist in most business situations and relationships. And it works great. Right. Because you're not saying like, Hey, want to have coffee and talk? It's like, Ooh, spidey senses tingling. That sounds like a sales conversation. Whereas like, Hey, I want to have you on the podcast because we're doing a, a, you know, this topic. And I think you're really brilliant at this topic. Would you come in and talk about your experience? Okay. That's cool. Right. So there's differences in how that relationship starts. So that's one way to go about it. The other way is really just making sure content that you do to your point is all, I mean, like it is so good for your audience that your audience is going to be consuming it and going like, why, why would I work with anybody else? Okay. And we know, we know that this works. So there's been multiple studies about this. We've been, been part of several of them. We've conducted a couple of them. We know thought leadership, those who are considered thought leaders have shorter sales cycles. Basically clients hire them faster. They get paid more for the same work and they keep those clients longer. If you want to just talk ROI, those are all things that every business should be looking for, which is they buy faster, they spend more, and they stay longer. So they keep spending. That's a great way to, to look at it. And again, that only happens if you got a business backing it up. If you're going for just like the mass audience, then there's always the sponsorship route. And that really is, again, you'd be surprised at what you can sponsor as far as properties go. Like it doesn't have to be a podcast. It can be eBooks. It can be access to email lists. It can be webinar series. It can be video series. It can be part of being part of a research. It can be writing the forward in a book. It can be like, as long as it's property, it's sponsorable, right? And you'd be surprised how small of an audience it can be if it's the right audience. Like we have one of our clients, you know, sold sponsorship for almost $15,000 for an audience of a few hundred. But it was the right few hundred. So it didn't matter because all you do is you look at, well, what is the average spend? So if I, as the sponsor, my average client is worth $30,000 to me and you have 300 of the right people that could do that, I'm totally willing to spend 20 or $30,000 on a sponsorship for you because I need to get one, yeah. one client. And after that, it's gravy. Fantastic. Right. And so now we talked about three different ways to monetize. You can also stack all those together right? So you don't have to pursue just one path. As you get better at this, as you get more advanced at these things, you can do all of them. Um, But I would recommend just starting off with one. The easiest one is just make content that's really good. And then really start thinking more strategically about the guests that you have and maybe pursue uh, the sponsorship route. Those Those are kind of, that would be the order that I would recommend it in from a monetization standpoint. I'm so glad we got that little piece in. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I know I talk like a mile a minute, but I also talk. No, about- <laughs> we had so much. I could talk to you for hours. But so Eric, how can our listeners find you? Where do they go? Yeah. 
obviously you can, they can always go to LinkedIn. There's like 8 million Eric Jensen's. So type in Eric Jensen predictive LinkedIn, you'll find me. The other option is uh, go to uh, our website. We actually have two ways that I think are awesome. The first one is I mentioned the book earlier, right? So it's predictiveroi.com forward slash free dash book. And it really is free. Like we've shipped them all over the world. You can get the Kindle version. You can get the physical version. We don't care. We'll send it to you. It's great. Is that um, one sell with, with authority book? Sell with authority. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I am in one of those chapters. There we go. See? Mm-hmm. Hollywood branded is considered an agency that knows how to do content marketing. That's because you do, right? Yes. So prime example. So if you want to read more about Stacy, so that you should go over and get the book. No. And I bought a lot of those books too. So, you know, go get his for free. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, we give them away for free because we, we truly want people to learn. And this is the best way to do it, right? So we are big believers and give your best stuff away for free. And then the other option is if you want to get us to get to know us as people or, uh, get to know the community that we're building around and things along those lines. We also do weekly Q&A. It's free. Again, you just go to predictiveroi.com forward slash QA and you'll get to the registration page. We do 10 minutes of teaching on a topic and we open it up for questions. It's always a blast. It's actually one of the things I look forward to most of the week. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Likewise, I am super glad I got to be a part of it. I'm really hopeful that the information it provided is going to be helpful for anybody that's listening. And, and obviously if there's, if there's any questions, you know, reach out and we're happy to answer. I think sometimes people are surprised, but really, truly ask us whatever. And we're, we're transparent about it all. Well, Eric, thank you again. All right. Thanks. To all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning into another episode of marketing mistakes and how to avoid them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you want to figure out how to get your brand into other people's content, influencers, TV shows, feature films, music videos, reach out to our agency and we can set you up with a call to chat and talk all things product placement and partnerships. Have a great one.